Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel like Russ is uh, – he picks a start time only so he can be 15 minutes late because he thinks that's the cool thing to do. Uh, musician time, I call that. <laughs> I call it asshole time. <laughs> but still, you have five kids, so you, you know the importance of keeping a, a schedule. What's up, boys? <laughs> What's, What's up, up fuckos? <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> Such an asshole. What do you got going on on the uh, on the on the coat rack back there? Are those your outfits for the show? Are you ready with wardrobe and stuff? Yeah, man. I got every for every song. I got a, a different fucking wardrobe. I got a Danny Witten tribute sort of thing. You know, he's already dropping names. I love it. Already, oh boy. A little foreshadowing. How you boys doing? Doing good. I was just telling Mike that I uh, I got a. Uh, I got out here at seven, well, a little bit before seven, kind of getting ready for this. And uh, I've had a few drinks, and uh, I decided I was going to make oh. a, a Josh Dolan soundboard. Good one. Did you really? Yeah, I really did. So, is it, all right. Is it sounds of Josh Dolan? So, I only got four so far because that's the only time I had. First of all, I should say, I should fucking be doing this for a living because I'm so fucking good at this shit. <laughs> all right. So, here's the first one. I am fucking, my brain is a noodle right now. <laughs> oh, my God. That one is called Brain is a Noodle. So good. That is so good. Here's the next one. I don't remember what we were talking about, but it probably had something to do about radio. <laughs> ah, yes. That's great. I just can't talk. That's one of my yeah, personal Oh, my God. That's the best one right there because he then, says that a lot. <laughs> the, this one fit really well. He came in the back. <laughs> Just oh. like that. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. Uh. This is our Neil Young podcast where we mostly talk out of our ass while going Mike Shue and the Condon Boys, Trans and Harvest and Illinois. We're gonna sit and listen to each one. It's long, may you young. All right, welcome to uh, Long May You Young, the only podcast that I think that we know about that covers each Neil Young album. 
each we're going to try to tackle all 65 Neil Young releases. That includes the archive releases and the live albums and maybe the soundtracks and stuff like that. Uh, it's the only podcast that'll tackle those one at a time. Did you say Why? 65? Yeah, 65. By the time by the time we finish this podcast, it'll definitely be 68 or 69. Yeah, that's true. He'll probably release <laughs> 10 more and we'll just try to keep going here. Um, yeah, we're the only podcast that I know of uh, that's uh, attempting to do that. And uh, why? Because fucking Neil. That's why. Fucking because fucking Neil, man. That's fucking why. Neil. God damn it. We say fucking Neil and, you know, in a good way where it's like, oh, my God, the guitar solo, fucking Neil. Or it's like, oh, my God, Lenoise, <laughs> really? Fucking Neil, you know? So so it's uh, Long May You Young, young uh, Neil Young podcast. And, and uh, you know, if you like what you hear, if we don't uh, drive you too crazy, please subscribe and, and rate it and uh, be nice to us, please. And if you have anything to contribute, we'd love to hear from you. We're, uh, we're up on uh, Facebook, we're up on Instagram, and hopefully we'll, we're up on Twitter also if, if I can get my old ass in gear and, and get our Twitter account rolling here. So, But yeah, every uh, episode we cover a new Neil Young, al- not a new, but a Neil Young album. We started last episode, obviously, with the first one, the self-titled debut, and then four months after that comes out, Neil Young releases his second solo effort, everybody knows this is nowhere. Which is insane. Four months. Four months Four after months. the release of his debut. I'm telling you guys, he hated recording that debut. He thought it was a good <laughs> idea to work with Jack Nietzsche. You can tell in his voice. Think of the difference between his voice on that debut. The right. only songs I hear him that it sounds like he's happy to be there is... Old Laughing Lady, The Loner, and, uh, and uh, Last Trip to Tulsa, which really kind of leaves, you know, it ends the album with what Neil's voice was really going to be sounding like. But I think this is like, I, in the last episode, I said Neil was like a pendulum and he swung one way. Now he's going the extreme opposite way and getting rid of all the big time production and layering and strings and the Jack Nietzsche, Phil Spector thing that he wants going on in session musicians and stuff like that. And he found crazy horse. He, no, you know, he legitimately found crazy horse. Well, he, I think he stole crazy horse, but we can, he did. No, he did. But that's my point is that like, you know, people say like, Oh yeah. And then he, he found this. It's like, well, no, he actually like it, He fucking found these guys in, in a whiskey, a go, go like, yeah. He just right. fucking came right. across them, you know? What it's a fucking awesome. cool rock and roll story, too. I'm sorry. that I fucking I love that. Yeah, he, um, they had, like, other members in the band. Let's talk about Crazy Horse a little bit. Even though Neil refers to them as the horse. All just, don't yeah. spook the horse. So you know, cool. don't scare the horse. Dude, yeah. I, w- I would... I would Dude, I would give most of anything to have Neil Young just call me the horse. <laughs> just, I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm just like, whatever. I'm fucking walking along, and then I, you know, all of a sudden Neil comes over and he's just like, hey, hey, it's the horse. You know, I'd feel like I was the king of the goddamn world. Dude, I, I just a got really, a, I just a got really a bizarre fantasy for us. <laughs> It is, it is bizarre, but when you said it out loud, I got half a boner. I'm not going to lie That's to you. That's what I'm saying. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so we should probably introduce ourselves again. I'm Mike Shue. 
uh, Neil Young Freak, and then the other two Neil Young Freaks here are uh, Luke and Russ Condon, the Condon brothers from the band Town Meeting. Cheers, you should definitely boy. check out. If you like Neil Young, you definitely like Town Meeting. And yes, we're all imbibing right now, so sorry about that ahead of time. But um, yeah, sorry. let's let's talk a little bit about Crazy Horse, who were not called Crazy Horse. They were called, what were they called? Danny and the Dreamers? I thought it was the Rockets, wasn't it? Well, it was the Rockets. Danny, yeah, at first it was um, Danny and the, ah, uh, fuck, the like mid, uh, midnight. It was something weird. It was like, fuck, what was we, it? Listen to this. We could have a podcast. We don't even know. Danny, and the, Danny and the Memories. Talking oh, yeah, about. yeah, 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 yeah. Danny and the Memories. Danny and the Memories. I knew it was an M. Um, right. They were actually a, a doo-wop group right. when they started out, which kind of, which is kind of crazy. It's hilarious if you think about, you know, what they sound sounded like later. Right. Um, but they had really no, um, they had really no success as a doo-wop group. Um, and then I, I guess they recorded a song that Sly, Sly uh, from Sly and the Family Stone produced, uh, uh, and it didn't really go anywhere. And then at some point they became this friggin' loud ass bar band called the Rockets. Right. I and think Danny and the Memories was was pretty brief and then the Rockets was like their their thing, their their rock and thing that cuz yeah, they had they well actually yeah, they were a, a like a psychedelic rock thing uh called the Circles like like um or no, just the oh, Circle. Yeah, like, but it was like psychedelic. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, how good the drugs were in the 60s. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then they went and they went on to the Rockets, and they had another guitar player. Uh, what was his name? It was like Bob uh, Bob Witzel, I think his name was George Witzel. So it was George Witzel. They had, he was like the lead guitar player, and then they had a violin player named Bobby Notkoff, which is actually the, on, the yeah he's on this track. Nowhere. He's on um, the Requiem the for the Rockets. Yeah, the, uh, that song. That's him playing violin, which a part of I I sort of re I read that I think a part of that song was sort of Neil apologizing for stealing the, the the rockets away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because um, uh, and so he brought on that the Bobby Notkoff or whatever the fuck, however you would say that name. Yeah. He brought him on to play the the violin and be with his band like kind of one last time, sort of a thing. Well, George, George Witzel said in, a, in an interview that I was reading that um, Neil told him that, listen, I just want these guys for this album and a short tour. And then when I come back, uh, you guys get together and record an album, a Rockets album. And then I will produce that, you know, and promote it and help you promote it and stuff like that. But that never happened. Right, right. And he yeah, never I mean, followed through with any of that because these guys were having too much of a good time. So. Yeah. And didn't he say like a year and a half later, he's like he, the whole time he was thinking, well, I'm going to get my band back and Neil's going to come help produce our new record. And then a year and a half yeah. goes by and he's like, I, I don't think, I don't think yeah. the Rockets exist anymore. No, yeah. none of that. happened. So yeah, Neil did steal crazy horse. And they, it, he, they actually, they didn't start out as crazy horse. What was it? It was Neil Young and the war babies. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was originally, is, yeah, yeah he had, is, that was the name he picked. And then, and then they yeah. somehow became crazy horse. Yeah, I was trying to find out where they got that from, but apparently I still I couldn't I was looking hard for that and I couldn't I mean, I'm assuming it has something to do with like Neil's love for like the Native American mm -hmm. culture because Crazy Horse is the, you know what I mean, like the warrior um and so I figured it was something to do with like Native American culture and 
but uh, yeah, I couldn't find like how it actually came to be, but yeah, they were first dub war babies by young. Um, but it, right. it, it wasn't long. Yeah. It wasn't long. And then they were crazy horse. Right. Right. And, um, I guess he started up a very uh, a very deep friendship with Danny Witten, who was a yeah. uh, guitar player and and oh, singer. Oh man, I can't wait and to get into Danny and, you know, it's a, it's That's amazing. a tragic story, it's, man. It's a fucking. It is. Yeah. It's amazing how many people I read about praise Danny Witten. I know his singing, yeah. his songwriting, his guitar playing, and and apparently he was really uh, into Neil's voice. And yeah. Neil took a lot of shit for his voice in the early days. And, and Danny Witten encouraged him to just, you know, do your own thing, you know, and, and sing the way you sing. You sing awesome. And, and uh, they've developed a really, really strong friendship. Man, which that's such makes a, it, it's such a sad story. I don't know if we want to get into that now. Or, I say I don't know this story at all. Really? Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's tragic, man. Well, it's, it's, uh, it led to songs. The, the story of their friendship led to songs like Needle and the Damage Done. Yeah, Needle and the Damage Done uh, is partially about Danny Witten. Jeez. Right, okay. and then like the Night of the Night album, Danny Witten's um, Overdose is involved. Oh, fuck. You know, and, okay. And a lot of that stuff, too. So it was, it was just um, a super talented guy who became a victim of his heroin addiction. And uh, and he died, and Neil it really it really hurt Neil in a in a deep way, and he thought he was really angry because it was a real waste, and uh, of of an amazing talent, and so yeah, that's the, that's Danny Witten. So, um, but he became good good friends with him, and that's how they kind of hooked up, and they uh, you know he left Buffalo Springfield, he just finished recording that debut album and those guys were playing at the whiskey and they invited him to stop in and jam. And that, you know, as you guys, as musicians know, there's sometimes there's an instant chemistry oh, yeah. that happens when you're playing with somebody else, you know, and it's not, it's not a very common thing right. either. That That's something that's very rare that it happens right away. Oh yeah. And apparently that's something that happened in the, in the rockets. And apparently he was, he, uh, he outplayed uh, George Witzel to the point where they were like, yeah, let's just get rid of these other guys. <laughs> and, uh, He's a great guitar player. And, and, and uh, Danny Witten too. I, well, when I was like listening, when I first started listening to this album, it, um, when I knew we were doing this podcast, cause I started just kind of slowly going through, I, I didn't get very far, but just, I was just kind of going through all the albums. But then I was like, I need to actually start just, constantly listening to whichever album we're on but then so when i first did that and i listened to this album so this was like i don't know a few weeks ago or whatever um and uh the losing end came on the um when you're on that that song yep and i was like man that 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 Mm -hmm. vocal like because obviously there's neil but then there's like that vocal with him and i tried so hard because i was like that sounds like it's like rod stewart or something it's like such a like a smoky it's just like a really soulful awesome uh like co-vocal there with neil i love you i love when you describe singers you like because it's like you're describing your favorite scotch yeah (laughs) it's yeah not overly peaty um it's got a bit of a sting at the beginning but it all mellows out on the come on man it works and you're smoking a macanudo with that thing and you're sitting in the chair and i got my guns out 
you know, and I'm looking oh, at Oh, don't bring up his guns. God, with my gun gun. Jack. I'm, I'm drinking gun the scotch. Jack. It's like, it's, it's my, my guns are like Danny Witten. They're soulful. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to fucking die in like two years. So. I, oh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna OD in a bathroom somewhere. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> Christ. But you know what? I, you know, I listened to the, um, the archive release, the Live at the Fillmore East release. I don't know if you guys listen to that. No, I And that's I with the Danny Witten crazy horse. And um, he's, they do, uh, you know, uh, Let's Go Downtown. You know that song? Come on, baby, let's go downtown. He, I think he did it with Stephen Stills. Yeah, yeah. Something. Uh, I, don't, um, I know that one. Danny Witten sings um, the Stephen Stills part on I that. I think he co-wrote that song, too. Oh, did, oh, yeah, he did. He actually, yeah. But he, yeah. he sings like it's, it's a two-singer song, and he sounds like Stephen Stills. He yeah, man. That the kind guy's, of like grainy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, smooth yet kind of raspy, you know, kind yeah. of voice in there too. I mean, the guy was super talented. From all accounts of what I read, the guy was just everybody thought he was amazing, yeah. and that he was a big, big help to Neil, and to help Neil find his voice, you know, which makes it kind of. And Neil talks about like, in it's you know, especially when he started playing with these dudes, like having them there and having like Danny doing what he did he just neil felt like he just fell into something that he didn't know he would have found without them you know what i mean like without danny there doing what he was doing i neil kind of uh attributes a lot of what his sound became especially with those song you know like the fucking the major four on this album like as far as like those jams he really attributes a lot of that to danny witten and um he he talks about how that sound like that i read a bunch of articles that were saying like this album is sort of responsible for the 90s grunge uh it's one this album oh yeah oh for sure okay yep totally agree and uh and and a lot of that is attributed to crazy horse especially danny witten if you listen to stuff like uh dinosaur jr or built to spill or even some pearl jam stuff yeah totally it, and it's to me, it's like credence at the time. Real, this album especially, uh, stripped down, no bullshit, and it's kind of like credence on a bad acid trip. I guess you could say. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Type, Shit. Soulful, yeah, I like that. Soulful tunes that have really great hooks. It's like if you know John Fogerty took some shitty acid and they were trying to get through a jam, and yeah, and uh, it's it's the sparseness of the production is is. I I got to tell you, I'm gonna be what we didn't want to be on this podcast for this album, because this is definitely my favorite Neil album. I've listened to it for more than half my life. This was like the first time I really listened to Neil Young. I heard down by the river on the radio and I didn't even hear Neil's voice. I just heard the, one of the, like the second guitar solo part there. And I was like, Jesus, who the fuck is this? Yeah. It's so raw. It's awesome. So sparse. You know, and then I heard Neil singing. And then the only thing I knew about Neil Young before I heard that was what I heard on the radio. You know, like, hey, hey, my, my. Mm. And uh, Luke, I don't know how you, know, you af- after listening to this album, don't buy that Gretsch, that electric. Cause I'm going to buy it. I f- I'm just yeah. going to buy it. I just have to. <laughs> that, so that, this album, man, a, I wanted to, I need an electric. So now. we I'm have like, a, we, bring it on. Dude. We have a group, a uh, town meeting group text obviously like all bands do all cool bands do anyway but uh <laughs> uh our uh electric player texted me a lefty gretch up at uh, manchester music mill which is probably the only place you should buy instruments and anyone who's there's a plug 
a musician around yeah. here knows that. But it's where I got, it's where I got my last two guitars. It's the best place on on the planet to buy music. But anyway, it's where I got I, my guild too. Is it really? It's fucking great. Yeah. But uh, That's awesome. the uh, they sent me a picture of this fucking lefty Gretsch for eight hundred bucks. I just can't figure out how to do it without my wife killing me. So, but, yeah. but she's she's never gonna no, you, listen you, to this podcast. Yeah, no, I'm just no, she totally will not listen to it. Yeah, yeah well, she won't listen to it. Okay, but, sure about that because this will be the one that she listens to. <laughs> right, it'll just be this one segment somehow yeah. right here. It'll, yeah, it'll no, but I I think yeah. I think I'm gonna bite the bullet, man. Like I just I can't. Uh, I feel like so. All right, so. The, the fact that it's lefty too, that's like, yeah, I mean, dude. come on, you know? I know. But also, so, I told you, I'll, I'll chip in for you to get that thing. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm going like, to, oh, dude, you're the, you're the sweetest. You're oh, seriously, I'll, I'll Brotherly go. love, man. This is a beautiful thing. <laughs> no, but shoot, yeah, just wait, just wait till I do a gun check though. Shoot. Then he'll be oh, hating Jesus. me again. Oh, yeah. so, okay. So there's two more drinking games. The first one is, oh shit. Anytime shoe mentions the album trans. Which oh I come a, on! I got a surprise for Did you. Did he? Mike. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Look what I got on vinyl. Oh boy, on vinyl too. <laughs> I don't know if that makes it sound any better, but do, yeah. Do sure. you want to know how much it was? Uh, was it like thirty-five dollars? Six hundred bucks. No, it no, wasn't. No, it was ten. Okay. It was ten dollars. Oh, thank God. Oh my God. <laughs> she, she oh, just man. fucking shat in his pants oh, for sure. God. Why would you fucking do that? You know? <laughs> this album we're talking about, yeah, six hundred bucks. Well, yeah, original copy still in the shrink wrap. No fucking problem. I'll fucking I'll sell my child. Oh yeah, dude. If they if they you had know? this album original in the shrink wrap, fuck, oh yeah, yeah. I would one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. There, there it is. Go. All right, so here's your, here's your next three drinking games. Anytime I mention that the album we're talking about is my favorite album, take a drink because I'm fucking... Okay. I told him, that, yeah, go back and listen to the fucking... I did, I heard it. And Luke said it, and I said, Luke, just wait because this is going to happen every fucking most episodes. But, I mean, obviously, this uh, to me, this album is superior to the it's first It's incredible. Time. And then drinking in number yeah. three when Russ does a gun check. And then drinking game number four is when I talk about how I listen to shit on vinyl because I'm way cooler than everyone else who doesn't listen right, to it. Right, yeah. And then you know, let's, you, and let's you, not for, go, go ahead, you. Don't pick up yourself, man. Listening to stuff on vinyl is awesome. I, I love wish it. I could do it more often. Yeah, it's, it's great. That, I grew up, that's how I grew up. I'm an old guy, so that's how I grew up listening to music was on records, you know, and it's, you can't beat that experience. It's not douchey at all. So don't, uh-huh. don't. You know, I'll gotta, still drink one. We got it, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. We got to add the shoe, the shoe uh, versions of that too, because whenever shoe fucks up the title of the podcast, oh, yeah, that'll be a lot. And I yep. got another one too. Whenever shoe uh, makes a joke, when he makes a self-deprecating joke about his age, that's, that's oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, or we do well, about him. That's gonna happen a lot, right? Yeah, I'm gonna blame do. that a lot on you know. I gotta go pee. I gotta take a break. I'm I'm friggin' old. All right. Oh, we, oh, let's okay. So we're talking about Crazy Horse. Let's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Let's stay on target. I do want to say so that, we're talking about Crazy Horse. I do want to say that I'm establishing myself as the dummy of this group right now because you guys are talking about uh, you know Danny Witten and all this shit that happened to him and and who the very first version of Crazy Horse was, which is Danny and the Dreamboats or whatever the fuck you guys called them. But I wrote <laughs> memories. I wanna, whatever i want to point out what i wrote on my uh my my printout i wrote the rockets equal crazy horse 
like it was some big reveal. <laughs> right? Finkel it's right in the is title. Einhorn. It's right in the title of one of these songs, Lukey. I know. I didn't know that. I'm, fuck, I'm, I'm establishing myself as the dummy of this group right now. That way it'll make me look better when I know some shit. No, you'll, be, you'll do good on, um, on after the gold rush. Don't, don't, don't set me up like that. But I appreciate it. <laughs> anyway, sorry. You know that, you know that album oh, really well, I though, I feel like. No, so we, um, go ahead, Shu. Oh, sorry. I was just going to try to bring it back to the record we're talking about. But if you guys want to <laughs> <Yeah, boo>. <laughs> shit on each other about who's a bigger fan, I, I definitely want to listen to that. Oh, oh Luke, now, what do I do check. with a Luke gun check? Do I what do we do with a Luke gun check? No, you throw up, you, yeah, you, you drink it, and you throw it up. No, I, so, all right. So I was going to, I was going to talk about this record. This, and Russ, you were right. I am going to say this about a lot of these records, but especially these first two. So I'm a big fan of the band Dawes. I don't know if anyone else is familiar with that. Band. Oh yeah, yeah. But the, the, I, one of my favorite bands to see live. One of my favorite um, bands, at least their first four records, but their first two in particular. I feel like Neil Young self-titled, and then this one are like the first two Dawes albums. Where like the first one was very kind of acoustic and kind of like. It's like an establishing, probably trying to do a little bit more of, we have to stay inside these boundaries. But then once they got the freedom to do whatever they wanted, they released Nothing Is Wrong. And then Neil released this one. And like right off the bat with fucking Cinnamon Girl, he's like, fuck you. This is the kind of music I want to make. And it's so it's, this is one of the hardest ones for me to pick a a song to cut. Although I do know which one I would, but I don't want to go there yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's same with me because this is definitely my. It, it, it's probably my favorite Neil album, and it's the one I've listened to the most. And it's also my wife's favorite Neil Young album, Ooh, wow. and so I've heard it that much, like double whatever I've listened to because she always wants to listen to it. And um, so it's going to be tough for me to cut one. That's why I said I'm going to be that guy that we didn't want on on the podcast, just kissing Neil's ass the whole time. <laughs> But there's really not a lot of bad things I can find on everybody. There's go- I'm telling you, there's going to be albums like that. I- I'm going to be like that. I am like that for this one. Same and I'm, I'm going to be like that for the next two. You know, like after the gold rush mm-hmm. and uh, on the beach are fucking on the beach. Mm-hmm. I think might end up being my favorite record, but we'll get into that when we get there. Okay. But I'm just saying, don't, say don't feel that. bad because, because, uh, there's going to be some some albums where it's just all of us, just both cheeks, both lips, you know, what movie is that from, Luke? What? What what movie is that from? I don't want to do this right now. I don't know. And you're going to hold it. You're going to hold it. Oh, I'm feeling some brotherly tension in this episode. No, this is what we do. We say it. You're like, pick it on it. We say an obscure quote, and then you you chat, you ask the other brother what's it from, and if he doesn't know, you get to fucking shit on him for about two and a half hours till he figures it out. And now, that's and now, a whole yeah, but now he he knows this isn't fair because it's it's gonna fuck with me because that's all I'm gonna think about for the remainder of this podcast. <laughs> and he knows what he's Russ, doing. He fucking knows what he's doing. Russ, stop picking on your brother. Nowhere. All right. Uh, I just want to read this thing Neil said about Crazy Horse. Yeah, uh, because a lot of people gave him shit, apparently, including Crosby, Stills and Nash about playing with them. It's like, how come? Why are you playing with those guys? They don't know how to play their instruments. You know, they, they, they sound terrible. You're not going to be able to do, you know, all the things you want to do with them. And Neil said, and I'm quoting Neil here, we're not trying to impress anybody. We just want to play with feeling. It's like trance 
we get into. Yeah. And that pretty much explains Neil right there. It's yeah, awesome. We're not that's playing awesome. to impress uh, yeah. anyone. That's why you know? I, 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 think it's, I think it's not that bold of a statement to say that the Neil Young that we know of today, wouldn't, it, he wouldn't exist without Crazy Horse. Absolutely. No. Or, or it would be something totally different. But I think that without them, he, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have, like, I don't know, he, he, he wouldn't have folded or, or, or melted into that, like, like the quote says, that trance that mm-hmm. we sort of have come to yeah. know. Like, when Neil, like Luke, when we see him live, you, you, you feel that. Even when you're in a, oh, yeah. in a big fucking stadium, you can feel Neil like, just like disappearing in the, in the most beautiful way. You know what I mean? Like he just becomes the sound. And he doesn't oh, yeah. give a, a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks because he's not there anymore. It's just the guitar and it's, God, it's, uh, and, and so, yeah, Mike, that's a perfect quote. I saw that one too, because it, it really, it really is like, it's so, so short and and simple, but it, it totally sums up because especially at that time, like you have those, don't get me wrong. I love CSN, but like, there's sort of a, there's sort of, I don't, I don't, I don't know the right word, but there's like, um, a sort of boy bandish thing that like back then that's kind of what it was like the way we know of boy bands now there was those like vocal groups those like Mm -hmm. those like esteemed sort of guys you know and i feel like csn was definitely one of those groups and neil was for sure the outlier in that group oh yeah um and and so like obviously they're gonna take some issue with him just all of a sudden finding this fucking crazy psychedelic band at a whiskey a go-go and then just having like these random dudes become his his yeah. fucking sidekicks like his his people you know so so that's great in a in a weird way this album reminds me of and i don't know if i even know how to get there but it reminds me of like early rage albums if that makes sense like, uh, not stylistically, but like, um, I remember hearing an interview with, uh, Tom Morello about how, when they first started, they weren't even called rage. They were called something else. And I don't remember, please forgive me people listening, but they did it, everything by the book, very studio based. And then it fucking tanked. It was just garbage and they all hated it and the studio hated it and it went nowhere. And then when they started doing shit with rage, they said, fuck everybody else. This is music we want to make. And uh, I don't know, this album reminds me of that. It reminds me of kind of coming off his, his last one, which, I, again, I, I enjoyed. But this one's like, fuck everyone else. This is what we're going to do. Fucking down by the river. Ah, I, I, I got to stop because I'm just going to hop into that song for 25 minutes. But I don't know. I've, I, I've, I fucking love well, this. I, I, yeah. The, the, it, you have to give credit to that first debut record because if he was the layering the overdubbing you know and if he wasn't put through that experience you wouldn't have this album it's the total opposite of that album it really i was just gonna say to your uh you know the thing we sort of spent some time on with the last album was like even just the opening lemonade track oh my god you, you think about you think about that, right? Yeah. And then, Luke, you got to send me that video so I can yeah. share it on our Instagram. I'll post yeah, but, I'll, I'll, uh, I put it up on our Facebook, uh, yeah. our Facebook page. So good. I hope Country Time Lemonade 
doesn't sue us or Neil Young. But, um, Luke, you did that, right? Yeah, Luke made that. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, such a brilliant. Um, but 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 just to just to say just to say like this is like your whole point about that song, and I know right. I got it after you guys right. Said that. But yeah. with this album, I think it just makes fucking Cinnamon Girl so much more uh, fucking. It's already just an incredible song and the 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 musicianship just the way they fucking it's thinking about fucking emperor wyoming compared to the way this album starts mm -hmm. it's, it's a it's a complete it's like yeah here we go you, you know guys, what yeah, I mean? this, yeah it's gonna be loud so yeah. you guys want to hop right yeah. into cinnamon girl since we're kind of we're, we're starting to talk about it yeah, yeah absolutely because cool right yeah, that um, i mean I, I think like you said russ the way this album starts compared to the other one that's the first like the first comparison that I made and it's cinema girl is such a fucking hit. And I love, and I'm sure you guys have read this. Here's my one piece of information as the dummy of this trio. But, uh, I love the fact that he wrote that he wrote all the singles off this album in one day. I'm sure you guys have read this. I, I did it. Right. Yeah. He, he I was going to, I was actually going to say that we should, we should pay someone. I, I don't know if someone can get in touch with like Daryl Hannah and just have someone just like sneakily put a little, just a little bit of a, some kind of a bacteria, obviously not COVID, but like just something to kind of knock him out for a day that he just feels really shitty so that we can get another, another album like this today. Did you say Daryl Hammond just, or Daryl Hammond? Cause those are two different. No, I said, Dar I said Daryl Hammond. Wait, is Neil Young yeah. fucking Daryl Hammond? Play it, play it back. <laughs> He might as well. I mean, why not? Who gives a fuck? It's Neil Young. He does whatever the fuck he wants to do. If he wants to fuck Sean Connery, let him fuck Sean Connery. So you want to? You want to infect Neil Young? I'm just saying. I don't. I'm not. It's not really exactly like a hundred degree fever. Just, just a little bit of a fever again. Yes. Yes. Just a little. He doesn't want to write songs again. That's why he makes all those fucked up albums because he doesn't want to keep regurgitating. No, no, no. I'm not saying write these girl. songs again. I'm just saying he needs another day, another fever day, and give us, you know, not so, that's no. So I'm for just people, being a silly goose. Actually, I, I loved his most recent record, so I can't I even too, talk. Yeah. I like, I really. We'll get him. to that in so 66 I, weeks. Okay? I'm just being a silly goose. I, know, right? I just, <laughs> I'm just saying that that's impress. It's really fucking amazing that he. So, Fucking wrote yeah. these songs in in one day. He wrote you know? the four the four singles off this album. By the way, which is a seven song album, so more than half the record he wrote in one day when he had the flu in fucking Topanga, California, or wherever the hell he was. Right. Down yeah. by the river, Cinnamon Girl, uh, the title track, and then Cowgirl in the Sand. And it's so it bothers me, and I and it's but it's so perfect. Do you know what I mean? It's just so fucking perfect. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he he had said. Um, I hope I get this right. That uh, in an interview I read, he had said that um, being ill, like he's written a bunch of other songs while he's he's been sick, and that. So there it, you go. That's my point. I'm just saying. If well, he, next, right? He, no. Yeah. To your point, Russ. <laughs> he says that it it uh, it uh, uh, it gets rid of some inhibitions he may have because he's kind of like suffering with this sickness, and he's just probably just going fuck it. I'll just write this down where he may overthink it or something, 
you know, otherwise, if he was healthy and sitting down and trying to write a song, you know, as opposed right. to having his brain, you know, right. all tied up with a fever or something right. like that. Yeah, it's fucking did, did any, unbelievable. Did any of that come out or was it I freeze? No, we got it. I heard it. Okay, it's, good. It's okay, just thanks. a little, it's a little like a uh, sloth Lighty. from the Goonies. But I will say... I will say I can't wait, and, and I'm hoping this is in a few weeks. I can't wait till we can actually sit down and do this not over Zoom, I know. which is like – I mean, it's great. It's great that we can. It's so much easier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I can use my you Josh Dolan like soundboard. You say I'm like, I'm like sloth in the Goonies? <laughs> yeah, you sound a little bit like – Oh, my God. <laughs> I love you, Chunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's sort of what you sound like. You're like – you're trying to talk about Crazy Horse, and you're like, baby – Good <laughs> band. Um, yeah, so Cinnamon Girl, it's like the loner. It's just such a well-crafted tune, yeah, and it's so point. simple. Yeah. But it's so yeah. very simple. At least they make it sound simple because of the production. Everybody knows this is nowhere. They're doing it live in the studio, and the and the you can hear the joy in their playing. And yeah. there's not a lot of albums that have that for one reason or another. I think this album has that because it's, it's done live in the studio and you can hear in the, in every note they play, every chord they play, you can hear that fun they're having. And there's that one little point. My wife points this out every time we hear cinnamon girl, when he starts kicking into that one note solo and you hear, I don't know if it's him or if it's someone else in the band and they just go, woo. And it's yeah, like, yeah. it yeah. kind of launches, it just launches that tune, just that gesture. Yeah. You know, that human, you know, uh, emoting that, you know, that feeling by that simple gesture just gives that tune, that whole attitude. Like they're having the fucking time of their life yep. playing this tune live in the studio, you know, yeah. and it sets a tone for the rest of the album. Despite the darkness on a lot of the songs, you hear that fun in their playing. Like they're just having a really fucking good time making this record. Yeah. I brought up the, um, um, the fucking what do you call it the um that song i just brought up before uh yeah the losing end and uh i can't tell who it is either i think it's i think it's danny witten but like i think it's danny when, when he goes into that all right pick it Miller, yeah whatever yeah, that yeah. is it's like that yeah. shit man it's great it's fucking, a good time you know yeah. and, and knowing that you know it's like it just changes your whole you know even if you're listening to down by the river Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like such a dark tune. You can still hear the joy yeah. they have in their playing. Well, you can awesome. he- you can hear. I feel like you can hear the rawness, like the realness of, uh, like uh, even like the next track. Like everybody knows this is nowhere. I read that he did like all the vocals. He just originally did as a scratch track, but he's like, this sounds fucking cool. So let's yeah. He kept it as the as the talk pack, Mike. Right, which it is. Was- it- through mm-hmm. the talkback mic, and he just he's, he like he liked that sound compared to the rest of it. Yeah, sorry, which is fucking awesome. Out. And and also to uh, to go back to um, Danny Witten, Cinnamon Girl, he's singing lead technically. It's like a co-lead, him and Neil. And if you if you really listen, um, the voice you're kind of primarily hearing is Danny Witten's in Cinnamon Girl. So the album starts off with. You're not just hearing Neil Young's voice. You're hearing him and Danny like singing together. And when I, the, I've listened to it a bunch now and you really do kind of, they blend so well. Like they're just both so 
like like you said, Shu, it's so like having a good time, real, raw, that like they just are in that zone together. And I think the connection that forms between those two dudes, as tragic as it ends up, is so prevalent in this uh this opening track. Yeah. And like really you if you listen, you 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 hear Witten more than you do Neil, kind of. It's it's uh you know what I mean? We're so attuned now at this point, whatever, however many years later, but we're so attuned to hearing Neil. So we sort of think we're hearing Neil because he's there, but really on like a um, production or just like a, you know, lead singer level, you're really hearing Danny Witten. So this is kind of a, a wild thing for Neil Young to start off his, um, you know, his uh, sophomore album with, another male lead vocal you know it's 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 just him saying it's i feel like it's another we talked about this with the with the first album but i feel like it's another it's just another way of neil saying fuck you you know because then then we just go into these songs where there's like fucking you know it's just mostly a 10 minute song of just dudes playing music you know what i mean and and Mm -hmm. and neil just fucking playing the guitar like he's never played it before and 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 I, I yeah so I feel like we can't talk highly enough about the importance of Crazy Horse. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, and especially Danny Witten. And you of know course. what? It's a testament to their to their relationship. Like what you said, to have Neil pretty much co-singing, yep. you know, the very first song on on his second solo album. Uh, well, that's a, play, it's a testament to their. It's a testament to their relationship and the trust he has in the band. And he's in a place that, that that would only make him comfortable if he's in a place that he loves. And he is. He's in a place where he can call the shots. Totally. Where these guys are fellow travelers. They don't mind, you know, improvising, experimenting, or turning mm-hmm. on a dime when Neil says so. Or yep. And I think, you, he, I think he knows as much as fucking CSN is going to give him shit, probably especially Stills. He, Neil knows those dudes aren't going to – you're not going to get this album with CSN. No. You're 100% that you know what I mean you're not going to have people like Stills and Nash allowing this to happen. As much right. as I love those guys and the things they've done, I'm just saying with those types of egos, like Neil mm-hmm. found the the perfect fucking people for this. And Mike, that's a right. great point because in no way shape or form do I think uh Neil gets that that freedom, that 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 trance like thing that we've been talking about. He, he doesn't get that with anyone else. He, I, I feel like he found that here and, and then that, that just carried on throughout his whole career. And, and I, I don't see that happening with CSN. As much as I, I fucking love Buffalo Springfield, I love CSNY, but I don't see this happening with those guys. I agreed. You know, it's, it's, an, it's just his reaction to where he thinks – you know, the guys that were kind of his comrades, his brothers in arms are going. Right. So this album is like, fuck this. I'm not, I'm done layering like that first album. I'm done producing, overproducing everything, you know, and I'm tired of doing that, you know, and I just want to like get, capture that moment, capture that feel on, on vinyl. And it's been like that his whole career. He's been searching for that, trying to capture the feel, Mm -hmm. you know, on his records in one way, uh, I, and I feel like he's so he's to this day adamant about that. Like he, that's why mm-hmm. that's why I think he started that Pono thing is because he he it, like Neil Young is the anti corporation guy. He doesn't give a fuck about the money. He cares about he wants he wants the 
he, he, I think he genuinely wanted to find a way to bring that analog, that feel of when it's getting burned onto the fucking vinyl right into your earbuds, into your drums to get that, all those synapses firing in the way that music is, is intended in a fucking, you know, like astrophysics sense for you to experience the sound. Neil is all about that. And I was reading about, um, right. with this album in particular, like when he took, uh, um, uh, what was the name of his guitar? Remind me, shoe. Old Black. Um, yeah, Luke, thank you. And uh, when he plugged it into that, like, vintage fucking Fender yeah. uh, um, amp, and he said it was, like, I sort of, I was reminded of the, the Marty McFly classic scene of, of <laughs> those, like, because Neil said that he fucking had to that turn, he, he had to turn the amp halfway like down just to not get feedback because but he right. loved it he just loved the 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 fucking like fucking fork in a, a outlet sort of vibe that he got you know what i mean if only fucking marty mcfly could have learned that lesson he wouldn't have ruined all of doc brown's shit which is so fucking rude <laughs> I know, it's so rude man yeah he just took off he didn't clean it up you know he's all yeah, i gotta go what the hell you is know, this fuck problem your, fuck yeah. your wall of clocks i gotta go to school and <laughs> yeah. fucking I gotta, gotta go get see, late, I gotta get. Right? I gotta see Huey Lewis tell me that I'm too damn loud. <laughs> what is that? A seashell, Russ? Yes, I'm eating a seashell. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome, really good. Aqua, man. Let's see those aqua guns. It's oh, a scone. Jesus. Yeah, I make amazing scones. By the way, I don't really brag about a lot of things, but I fucking rule at making scones. Are you serious? So, if we ever get to do this all I in the same. I feel like boat, you. I feel like like if there's one thing that i like mike chu not would not not anywhere in the whole fucking world would i think scone right. guy right. Me like really good scone me guy. neither but you know when this whole thing went down and i was i was trying to perfect my bread game and i'm still sucking at it but i ran out of yeast and for a while you couldn't find fucking yeast anywhere and you don't need yeast for scones. And, and uh, so I found this video online about how to make scones. And I was like, oh, okay, that's it. Because I thought scones were this big complex thing. And I just whipped up some blueberry scones my first try. And they came out fucking amazing. Huh. And I was like, God, that was fucking easy. So I have a natural gift for making scones. All right. <laughs> I will. Wow, man. So, well, when I'll, we I'll finally. I'll pick up a batch, you know, right. when we are all. I feel like this is, this is breaking news. I don't know. This yeah, is, this is this really. Is, this is a yeah. big deal. Yeah, I love Slayer and I love baking scones. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, those are the two things that really just relax me. Honestly, I can't, wait to have, I can't wait to have some Mike Shoe scones. I'm excited. No, but honestly, oh, Shoe, good, man. that YouTube channel would take off if you did it. Baking scones with Slayer. You just bake scones while listening to Slayer songs. I'm just <laughs> yeah, saying well, people would be, would be into that. Yeah, they would. There's a market for that, mm -hmm. you know, 100%. somewhere. All right, All right, what are we on? All right, so let's, uh, let's get into, uh, well, I was going to kind of segue into the next track since we were talking about Neil telling everybody to fuck off. Yeah. You know? So, you know, he made that, for, you know, with that first album, he was so he just didn't like the experience even though there were some great songs on there you know he just didn't like that whole polished production thing so we went to this and that's kind of what the title track of this album i think is about everybody knows this is nowhere you know he 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 did the record company thing with that first album they got a producer they got studio musicians they did that whole thing and i'm sure that's not all of it but you know and everybody knows this is nowhere you know, he's just, um, 
He's just saying, this is, this is not the way I want to do things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm tired of living in LA or I'm tired of living in Hollywood and playing the game and I'm going to go out. This is not, this is nowhere. So I'm going to move out to one of the canyons, you know, and marry a chick who runs a bakery and, and get a band that, scones. that makes delicious scones and then <laughs> get a band that doesn't give a fuck if they're in tune or not. We're just going to have a fucking good time. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty much what I think the title track is, you know, I would, to me. I would 100% agree with you because I think I read he originally wrote this for, mm-hmm. or, or this was supposed to go on the title track and it didn't. It was a way different version. And then once uh, Crazy Horse or whatever they were called at the time put their mix into it it became this just i don't know i love this song i feel like this is the kind of song i'm always trying to write because i can't really write love songs i'm not like good at writing specific songs unless they're funny because my i listen to weird al from age 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. exclusively nothing wrong with that man not judging (laughs) at all and and judging by the quality work you did with our intro i mean (laughs) come on that's that's brilliant, right? I, I think Luke was actually pretty nervous whether or not you were going to dig that. I oh wasn't my God. Sure. I, I listened to it once and I was just crying. I was laughing so hard. It was so good. I, did th- I threw in two of your favorite albums on that. Uh, you did. I mean, that's the part that got me. You got trans little noise in there. And I was just like, oh my God, he really did that? Really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but this song, I feel like it's kind of, it's like the, that, I mean, overarching theme that's in every artist, like, the struggle mm-hmm. between two separate lifestyles, the struggle between this choice mm-hmm. and this choice. And I feel like this kind of sums it up. And the, the, the fact that this came out not on the title on the, his first album, but it came out on its own and it was the title track. I don't know. I, this, I feel like this is a song I'm always trying to write. If that makes sense. I can't, I can't even imagine what Jack Nietzsche did to that song. I haven't heard that recorded the version he recorded for the debut album, but I can't even imagine it has anywhere near the charm or no. the power, you know, in the, as this version does. Was and he what I love about it again, was he what? Was he on this album at all? I don't Jack think he was. No, no, no. Okay. he's not Although anywhere involved. Did. There's very, very few people involved on this. Yeah, he, they, did, they did take uh, Jack Nietzsche out as a piano player on their first tour. And then he was like, oh, Jack was just in the way. And Jack <laughs> didn't like, he didn't like Crazy Horse. He didn't think they could play to his level and he had no idea why he's one of those people that had no idea why Neil was even hanging out with these guys, yeah. you know? And so he got rid of Jack Nietzsche, but which, what's weird is crazy horse when they had a chance to make one of their own albums, Jack Nietzsche produced it. Right. Which wow. is kind of weird that he'd go that back. Is weird. To the record, yeah. Even though he think they, he thought they weren't great players or anything, or maybe he was doing Neil a favor. So they made um, a record without Neil. I, I think, I, I don't think I knew. They this. made like, they, they made, made like six of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I yeah. don't know. They, no. First time hearing this. Amount. I haven't really listened. To, I think I listened to one, but um, I didn't listen to many. But I mean, this song's fucking great. And I think to, to everything both of you guys just said, uh, I think it really speaks volumes. The, the thing we brought up before about um, Niels, this is the one that he's saying through the talkback mic. Right. This right. is. I'm pretty pretty sure this yep. is the one where he chose to go with the scratch vocal through the talkback because it's just another way of of everything you you guys just said of him being like, you know what? I'm not even gonna put any fucking no kind of reverb. He because 
most of up to this point too, and then all, all throughout his whole life, but especially now that he's doing these solo records, and this one was only four months after the first one. So the crazy. biggest thing, the biggest thing you always hear about with all the reviews, it's always talking about Neil's voice, whether it's fucking, you know, it's uh, annoying or it's frustrating or um, whatever people had to say about Neil's voice. Um, people hate his voice sometimes. My wife doesn't oh, yeah. like Neil Young at all. Yeah. And, and I know, I, yeah, I know a lot of people that, that don't like Neil because of the voice, but the thing that I love about this, this is the title track. We've already talked about how different of a direction it is and, 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 and the monumental uh, change with crazy horse. But um, I just love that he chose this for the title track. And then that he, like you said, Mike, the, the analogy of like, everybody knows that this is nowhere that, you know what I mean? That sentiment with, with talking about um, that production, that overproduced layering, uh, that studio like clean sound and i and i just love that he chose to go with the fucking scratch talk back vocal for for this lead vocal for the title track of this second album i just fucking love that it's it's uh it's just so bold it's so i don't know neil it's fucking neil man fucking neil Neil, man yeah (laughs) well you know he um uh it's it's uh it wasn't just the production part too. I'm sure this also included the business part, which he's always hated. And that whole, you know, the, the, what's the line in there? Got to get away from this day to day running around. Yeah. You know, and so it's like doing the promotion thing and doing this and he knows it's all necessary, but he just wants to go back to his house in the Canyon, you know, right. and jam with crazy person and not have to just make the music and not have to deal with all that crap. Right. You know? So, and I yeah. love the backup vocals yeah. on this. All the backup vocals on this album are great because they are so just so very raw. And oh, there's great. no, you know, there's no, it's obviously there's not a lot of overdubbing going on here. And it's yeah. not like a CSN my record where, uh, yeah, I was know, gonna say where it's so polished, you know, <laughs> right. it's, it's so yeah. pretty. It's so, that's what CSN was. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, that's what they were known. That's, that's yeah. what people know CSN for is the fucking, really pretty perfect harmonies and this right. is this this was like they were just jamming in these backing vocals over the over the distortion yeah you yeah know, just jamming in there and they were almost like competing and and right you know you can say this this album started grunge or alternative you listen to dinosaur jr or someone like husker do you know who have that wall yeah. of sound guitars and then they have these beautiful melodies mm-hmm. that kind of seep through that wall of distortion you know, and that's, I think that's where this all started here. And that, that's one of the things I really love about this whole record is those backing vocals and how they're, I don't, I don't even want to call them rough. They're just not perfect. Yeah. And that's what makes them so fucking great. So that's this what makes, them, that's what makes them perfect. This was yeah. one of my, my, you know what I mean? This was one of my favorite things I read about the vocals on this song and probably for the whole record was uh, Young and guitarist Danny Witten shared the vocals. The recording of the vocals is skewed using a mixing board and these were recorded directly to tape. According to Young, this was done in an effort to get all the bullshit out. Right. I just fucking love that. That's fucking Neil, man. man. That's right. There it is. Want to get all the bullshit out? Take take a fucking drink. All right. Well, let's move on to um, let's move on to round and round. It won't be long. This song, man, underrated, underrated, 
unbelievable. Yeah, totally. The fact that he was probably 22 when he wrote this song, it mm-hmm. shatters my ball bag and it fucking, <laughs> it just, it's like, what? How the fuck? How the fuck? This is, a, this is an unbelievable song. I think it's it's great because it's the lyrics aren't it doesn't seem like his lyrics are so complicated. It's like it's like soul. It's like if you if you took a Sam and Dave song and mm-hmm. you just laid out the words and you read them, you'd be like, "Oh, this is kind of just dumb and simple." But it's it's not. It's the way they sing that song. It's the way they sing "Hold On, I'm Coming." You know that just makes it so great. And it's the same thing with this song. The lyrics to me, anyway, see, I'm not a songwriter. You guys write songs. I'm not a songwriter. But the lyrics to me seem kind of simple, but it's the way he sings them. And he tried to do that on the first album. You could tell he was really uncomfortable doing that. But this one, he's just like, he's so raw and he's so pouring it out. You know, it's yeah. just pouring out of him. And his vocal on this, on this one in particular, and you really hear that through the whole album. Like he's so much more comfortable singing. And I think that had something to do with Danny Witten. And yeah. doing it the way he wanted to do it. I agree. Yeah. I and and as a songwriter, I I I have to I have to disagree a little bit. But I mean, to your major point, yes, the way that this song is sung, especially with, um, I'm pretty sure also Robin Lane is in this one. Is yeah, Robin one? Lane. That was yeah, Andy Witten's girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, and she's oh, all right. A, she she adds a great her note in this is beautiful. I love the fact that there's oh, yeah. only one song sprinkled in here and it's got a really pretty female vocal and it and and the way that her and Witten sing together, it blends That's fucking great. really really well. Um so I agree that the way this song is sung, yes, it 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 makes the lyrics um it makes the song excellent because of the way that it's sung, but I some of these lyrics considering especially that he again he was probably like he is he was early 20s i mean the imagery here like the just talking about just that chorus alone round and round and round we spin to weave a wall to hem us in it won't be long it won't be long how slow and slow and slow it goes to mend the tear that always shows it won't be long. It won't be long. Yeah. That if I, I mean, as a songwriter, I'm just like blown the fuck away. That's uh, it, it. It's really lyrically. It is really deep and it's and simple profound and simple at the same time. But it's also the melody is so fucking pretty. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's gorgeous. The the, yeah. the 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 verses are great too. I mean, yeah, you got those like those pretty obvious uh, rhyme things going, like you know the, the paper illusion without the confusion, that type of stuff. But they they fit the song so well, and then just like the the uh, repetition of talking about the crying. Um, each verse has the uh, line about tears or crying, right? Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I think each verse ends with that word, whether it's a plural or not. But um, 
I just, I really love the way it's, he's the chorus talking about like weaving um, and spinning. So it's like sort of this, uh, you know, hemming it's, it's got that fucking, you know, what do you call it? Like a crochet or a spider web or whatever. Like a sewing thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like a sewing. And, and to me, like the way that, that the lyrics are done here uh, with, with, with the um, verses and, and the, the how it comes back to crying, right before he goes into the, the chorus, whether it's um, uh, sort of about himself or, or, or one's self or then your friend. Um, it, 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 I get that imagery as I listen to the verses. I get the imagery of, of sewing, of weaving, of a spider web. And it's all just like the way that that's done. I, it, it's so flawlessly great. Be- beautiful to me. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what else this, to say. I just this I is this is it. my sneaky uh, my sneaky favorite. I think it's my number two song off the record. I love everything you said, Russ. To Russ, to me, this is a, this reminds me of a song that you would write because I feel like you're really good at That's capturing a huge compliment. Thank you. Well, I feel like you're good at capturing like some real deep shit inside some simple sounding lines in a real fucking catchy, pretty way. And I, I don't know. And then the other th- cool thing about this is uh, Robin Lane, who did the female part on this. Mm-hmm. This is totally fucking weird. And I love shit like this. You know how Facebook says, like, it recommends who you should be friends with. It's like, oh, you have this many mutual friends. You know, she lives in Turner's Falls. It just recommended, I'm not kidding, like a week ago that I should be friends with her. This is now, a is real this fucking serious Robin thing. Lane? Same one. Yeah, she's does. Did you did you friend her? I did today. I'm like I, I sent her a friend request because it wasn't should, like if we could get her on the uh, podcast, that would be awesome. That'd be yeah. She lives in Turner's Falls, dude. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah but okay. we have like a bunch. Well, listen, of there's friends. another Robin Lane. There's another Robin Lane who was a uh, a musical artist from Boston in the late '70s and early '80s. I don't know if you guys ever remember the name Robin Lane and the Chartbusters. I think that's um, the same one. So I don't know if it's that same Robin Lane, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Really, because they're yeah. out of Boston. Yeah, this is, she, no, it's, wow. it's the same one singing this because I saw that. Yeah, no, when I when I was researching this, the Robin Lane and the Chartbusters. That's who this Robin Lane. Have is. you listened to the chart Robin Lane and the Chartbusters? They're actually pretty fucking good. Oh, you should look them up. They're not bad. But yeah, it's no, the they're same. really good. Yeah, it's the same, same one. Yeah, yeah, that's the same. It's the same. Wow, person. We, okay, well. She's local. Let's, yeah, we'll, we'll all bombard her with messages and see if she'll come on the show. Because she, she also another thing about her is she she was involved with Neil Young before Danny Witten. So oh, really? Neil already knew her. Like they already had a thing going before she was Danny Witten's girlfriend. Like a so thing, there's that whole thing or like a. Um, it just said what I read. She he was romantically involved with her. Okay. Before. Hmm. I guess she hooked up with Danny Witten. She was a cowgirl a, in the scene. Which is a crazy thing. Maybe. I don't know. Also, this was recorded as a demo I read. Like, he wrote this and Old Laughing Lady like in the same day. Again. So crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, fucking insane. Oh, my God. Fucking like, Neil, man. Yeah. Um, I will say so when we when I first after we finished last week you I don't you guys probably did the same thing I immediately went from listening to his first album on repeat to this one on repeat and I was like oh seven songs this should be a quicker podcast than last week but then after the first listen I'm like no this is 
not going to be. And we, There's I think so much we, we've been going for an hour and I think we've gotten through three songs, <laughs> which I think is <laughs> right. fine. You know, it's well, fine. we're going to well, get to the one on. you're going to go off. Uh, we're going to get to the one here that you're going to go off for 20 minutes. You said about, and that's down by the river. And like I said, this was my first real, real listen when it came to Neil Young. When I heard it, in the, it was in the middle somewhere on the radio. And I was like, wow, this sounds amazing. Who's this? And then Neil's voice kicked in. And, you know, that's the thing. People, people can say whatever they want about Neil vo- Neil's voice. But whenever you hear him, you know exactly who it oh, is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like when you hear, you know... Jimmy like when you hear Jimi Hendrix guitar, guitar you know exactly, exactly, I was ju- I was ex- you know exactly, exactly who yeah. it is, right? Yeah. There's no mistaking who it is, and that yeah. again, or like Geddy know, Lee, or, or yeah. Geddy right, Lee, right. You know Geddy Lee, fuck Geddy Lee, yeah. Exactly. No weirdly, weird, weirdly enough, Jimi Hendrix's guitar. Facebook just suggested I became friends with. <laughs> really, Jimmy that's incredible. Guitar. Does it just live in Turner's Falls? Yep. Uh, actually, Greenfield, but close enough. Oh, it lives in Greenfield? Okay. All right, cool. I got family out there. I'll have them look, look it up. No, Mike, I agree, man. I, uh, yeah. It, it, fucking, I don't really have that much to say about Down by the River because if you're listening to this podcast and you don't fucking know Down by the River, fucking go shoot yourself Down by the River because this song is everything. Well, it's not just the... It's and it's the, essential, it's, the, it's essential, Neil. It's essential, right, Neil. It, it's one of the Fever songs on the album. So he wrote this with the Fever in one day, the same day he wrote Cowgirl on the Stand and Cinnamon Girl. And it's got some of the greatest guitar work ever, uh, I've ever, of Neil's I've ever heard. A Trey Anastasio from Fish, not to bring up Fish again. I was about to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody Did you drink. that thing? He said, he said, if I'm teaching someone guitar, I'm going to have them listen to the first 60 seconds of the first solo in Down by the River and say, mm-hmm. that's... That, that's what you should be shooting for. And it's one note, but he's playing it with such amazing feel. You know, and this, it's, it's. You can, you can, the thing about, the, there's not a lot of, I feel like there's not a lot of guitar solos where I can think about it and I hear it, and I feel it. I fucking, I can think about it right now, and I can hear it in my head, and I fucking feel a, a reaction. Like What's, my the body, you get? What's the feeling you get when you hear the, the instrumental parts of this song? I, I, can't, I can't describe it. It's, it's otherworldly. I know that sounds cheesy, but it, the, so, I feel okay. like el- el- elation is is a word that's coming to mind. I don't know. I just I, I feel I feel a tension, tension, like a, a serious tension, like like that guy you see at the bar, and he's like he's had four or five, and you know you say, "Hey, buddy, you okay?" And he'll look at you and he'll look right through you, mm. and like he could just fly off the handle at any. He's second. the loner. <laughs> Right, he's the loner, right? But he's like, he's that guy that something could set him off at any second. Yeah, you know, that's the, what the feeling I get during the guitar solos and those low, low parts where they kind of bring it down. It's like it's low, 
but at the same time, I, I feel like there's some kind of, there's some kind of uh, danger in there. There's, I see. It's not just, it's not just because of the lyrics. There's like a, a tension in there when they're bringing it down that it's, it's just so wound up, even though it's low. Oh yeah. It explode any minute. And it does, but they don't, I think, oh, they gradually bring it back. I think why this this song and this this solo in particular is so uh, renowned and so spectacular and so incredible is for the reason why we can all have a different sort of reaction to it and agree on each person's uh, reaction. Like, it makes sense that you would feel that way. It makes sense that you would feel that way. I feel like this solo, that guitar, that rawness, that um, it has all of that in it. And I, feel, and I feel like it also, it just like, whatever it is that you might be feeling at a certain time, it just, it, it boosts that. It's like a fucking psychedelic. It like, it, it grabs yeah. whatever it is that you're trying to hide from and it brings it to the surface, man. And it fucking brings you down by the river so, and it fucking puts a gun to your head and says, let's fucking do it. You know yeah. what I mean? I, well, lo- I love it. To me, it's like this, this song, especially, I mean, the lyrics are great and they're, they're simple and incredible and there's a bunch of diff- different interpretations, but like it's the breaks that do it for me. Yeah. And I feel like, like it's, it's, a two, it's a two-fold thing for me because one, this is, I think the most, this is the most Neil Young, Neil Young song that exists in my opinion because those breaks, they're a producer and a critic's worst nightmare. Like, I think I read one critic saying like he just starts off the first solo he does is just 35 like hits of the same exact string. Like it's not even, it doesn't, yeah. it, but it, in, in there like six, seven minutes long. And then he did a version with fish at farm aid in 98. I'm sure you've seen chew the video. It's fucking 20 minutes long. He's done 30 minute long fucking versions. Yeah, of it. When we, this is, I think for as, as far as me and Russ go for, for town meeting, this, at this point is probably our, the song we cover the most and it's, we've our fa- been, it's like our favorite song to play <laughs> we've done 15 20 minute versions of it we should send Chu the the the, the uh version. yeah we'll do that we'll post yeah. it we'll post it on yeah, we uh, on something it. but uh this yeah. it's just, to me it's like it's it's so like neil he's like i gave you the album you want like you wanted and now i'm doing the album i want and it's it's just him having a fucking ball. And honestly, this is kind of the inspiration. Anytime I try to get creative now, because it's so easy to succumb to. And I love our albums, and I love everyone who's worked on our albums. But every producer we work with or um, engineer we work with, they're always like, "Well, you got to cut the fat, and you got to trim this down, and this is getting a little boring here, and we need to make it more concise and more radio friendly." And it's to me, this is the most. I fucking love this song because you, they probably said the same shit to Neil back then. And he's probably like, well, I don't fucking give a shit like this. I want to make this song and I want it to be this long. Right. Okay. And the, the solo is, it's an unthinkable length for, especially for fucking 1969 when you're trying to do like Mr. Tambourine man. And you know what I mean? All these kind of like snappy little yeah, he three minutes songs. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's just in it's, there are parts that he just kind of, he's like, he, it's very lull and, I just I don't know, and the ba- the bass kind of that driving bass, the boom boom boom. I, like it's just I. This is my favorite Neil Young this, song. This song is fucking is a perfect analogy to me just for life. I know that's super cliche, but like you get you get these high highs and and shoe like you said, you get these fucking tense lows that give you that feeling yeah. that like oh 
what? Something's right. about to go the fuck down, you know? Like, right. And, and you have lyrics, and- you have lyrics like, be on my side, I'll be on your side, baby. You know what I mean? And then you have right. lyrics like, I shot her dead. Uh, and like, like I read a th- fucking talking about this. Song. I read a thing. <laughs> I read a thing where Neil said that like mostly this this uh this lyrically this uh, this uh, song is is just about like blowing it, blowing your chance with a with chick. The chick. Yeah. But uh, but no. he doesn't really know where the actual um hook comes from. The like, I shot my baby. Like it's definitely he- about heroin. I don't care what Neil. I says. hear what you're saying, man. And it's like that. Those low parts are like that. Like it's bubbling up. You know, he said he said. I think let me see here. He said in a 1970 interview that it's not about a murder. There's no murder involved here. It's just about, like you said, a guy having trouble with his woman. In 1984, apparently at a show in New Orleans, he said that, oh, yeah, well, this is about a guy telling a woman that you've cheated on me too many times. And I'm going to do something about it right now. Mm. And he shoots her. And so, you know, I I don't know if he said that because he wanted people didn't want. I think he may have said that at the time because of the whole Manson thing. That was going on oh, shit, and yeah. he didn't want people to think that that was like encouraging people to shoot people or something like that but you hear it in those parts those solo when they get really low it's just kind of like this it's bubbling up inside this guy he's been fucked with for too long and it's bubbling up and the 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 tortured guitar solos are like what's going on in his head mm, yeah. you know and he finally he just yeah he just shoots her you know? <laughs> yeah and, i will say I, Go ahead, Luke. If, if you don't mind me getting a little self-indulgent for a second, as if that's not what this entire podcast is, but uh, <laughs> come on, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, but I will. I will say, in a weird way, I think this song saved Town Meeting. Um, in a, in I, yeah, I would agree. Actually, so yeah. we went through. I would say probably 2018. We we really tried to kind of go all out. We fucking what shows in fucking Chicago and Michigan and down the east coast and then out in fucking california and portland and all these places but uh we went through kind of it, it really kind of fucked with us a lot like it, it there was a lot of inner turmoil like we weren't talking to each other we weren't really vibing we had we were all burnt out and uh we learned this song i want to say kind of like halfway through 2018 and then we got to a point where at least for me personally, I was like, I think I, I don't think I, I even want to do this anymore. I'm not enjoying it. It's not fun for me. I'm not talking to anyone in the band, like unlike us on like a real level. Like we would just joke and shit like that. But then we're spending 14 hours in a van, not really communicating. There was a lot of other shit going on. Um, and I, I distinctly remember we had a show at this fucking kind of hole in the wall place up in Traverse city, Michigan. And it was one of those gigs that was like you started at fucking 10 and it was a three hour gig. You were done at like 2 a.m. and it was two nights in a row of it and it paid well. See, so that's why you took it. But I remember thinking like this fucking this this whole thing sucks. But then we started playing and it was OK. And then once we started playing this song, we all communicated in a way that that we couldn't have done with a conversation or with words or with a fight or with lyrics. Like the way we vibed when we started playing this song together, like it still like rocks me to think about. And then we kept, we kept it in our, in our um, set list as, as often as we could until the end of that year. And we went through kind of a little bit of a shakeup. We lost some band members. We got some new ones, but I, I feel like this song was the rock that made me think like, fuck everything else like 
Like we could fucking literally hate each other, which I'm glad we don't. We don't hate each other. Things are really good now. But like it, there are so fucking oh, shut up. But like there are songs like that transcend anything else. And when you're like, I remember like the second night we when we covered this up in Traverse City, like I fell over on stage. I don't even know if any of you guys noticed. I fucking fell over playing rhythm. And it was, I just got fucking lost in it. And Russ, like when I look at you, when you're, cause Russ sings lead when we cover this, he used to play Cajon and now he drums And it. Sometimes your, your fucking eyes are gone, dude. Like you're fucking somewhere else and it's weird and wonderful. And I don't know. I know whatever I don't, you can judge me all you want. People who are listening to this, but I fucking love this song and I will fucking yeah. die loving this song. Yeah. I agree, man. I, I agree. And also I think once, once we shifted, once, uh, once you talked about those changes and I know we got to move along here, but, uh, like when, when fuck we, everyone when else, we, man, we'll talk about the song as long as we want. When, when, uh, when I went to, yeah, what the fuck? when I went to full kit and Timmy went to Tim guitar, murders, he murders this song. I, I just like, like you talked about the switch from Cajon to, drums and i and i agree that this song sort of became a bedrock for the band even through the changes because then once i feel like we sort of went through those changes and shifted and we came back to this like when it never left but like when we did this song as the new thing as the new band it was like oh yeah yeah this this, that song this song in particular was our testing ground for what the new town meeting uh, was and would the be, new town and meeting. Could be and like I think it was just so perfect and I just I felt like I could just fall into something in that Neil Trance way uh, that he fucking talks about. Neil man like fucking listening Neil, to man. Tim play electric and and you on the rhythm just fucking going crazy and then Dave on the Derek harp and, and Derek Dave, on yeah. the bass the way that Derek plays the bass it's just like I felt I felt like this song totally not only saved us but it it carried through into our like um I don't know I guess our whatever the word redemption or something you know what sure, I mean Yeah yeah like that's a good word yeah Well yeah. let me just say this while I was listening to this album I was also listening to the live at the Fillmore East album and it's kind of like I consider it like a companion piece and the live version <clears throat> doesn't have that same tension obviously it's i mean it's live it's a completely different situation but it doesn't have that same bubbling tension there's more of a rage in the live version and it's not like they they play it harder or you know or faster or anything like that it's just like the the feel is so much more anger in it you know like a fiery rage uh going on and you can hear it in the playing and and uh and neil singing and um but yeah, that's, you know, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. That's why we're doing this podcast. That whole story you told about you guys and how you communicated on a different level and it, it helped you guys, you know, it helped the relationship with the rest of the band. I mean, that's what this is about. We're doing this because we love Neil's music. We have an emotional connection to Neil's music and we love a lot of it. And some of it we think is just, you know, is, is just terrible and it breaks our heart to hear it, but we always come back, right? It's yeah. always, to us, it's worth checking out. Of course. You know, I'm, it's like, it's, and, I, and I, I don't want to diss on another band, but I'll just throw one out there, like Foreigner, right? So Foreigner will, could make another album, but you know it's going to sound like another Foreigner album right, or yeah. whatever, yeah. you know, and, it's, and they're going for a certain thing, but, but, 
you know that's not like that with Neil. You know with Neil, you're gonna it's gonna play with your head at least in a good or bad way. Yep. And you want that. You it's want gonna that do react. something to you, man. He'll always fucking do something to you. Mike, he's you fucking Neil. Because you fucking Neil, man. Mike, you were saying this was the song that got you into Neil. Is that what you were saying earlier or no? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I heard it on the radio in the middle and it just it just grabbed me. When was it just, that? Not to I was uh I had to I think I was sixteen, maybe. And I heard so it on like the radio. Sixties or seventies. Oh, you <laughs> fuck. See, I didn't bring that up, so nobody drank. All right? Oh, you fuck. I was born when this album came out, fucking asshole. Um, yeah, so I heard, you know, it's like, uh, it's just connected with me too. It, I don't know. I can't tell you what it was that grabbed me. And like at that moment, at that time in my life, I was listening to a lot of like, uh, you know, punk rock and metal, a lot of like Black Flag and Husker Du and Minuten. And then I was also listening to like a ton of like, you know, Metallica and Judas Priest and stuff like that. So, you know, something in it just grabbed me. Mm. And I was just like, this is fucking awesome. And I think it was the realness of it all. It was just the way it was produced. There was no bullshit. It didn't sound like Journey. You know, it was just, it was just real fucking music, you know? So. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> That's awesome. You were really throwing some fucking the same kind of band under the bus. Like we can yeah, Foreigner and Journey are like the same fucking band, dude. <laughs> yeah, Mike, well, you like, know, that's it's not like that's, that that's the opposite of what Neil is. You know, my, that's the opposite of what Neil is. Those guys are great for what they do. They write great songs. You can't deny that. They write hits, and but it's the opposite of what Neil is. I you guess. know, it's like yeah. why he hated doing that first album. Right, like let's, that's, let's move on. We're already six hours into it. Right, well, like that story I just told about down by the river that wouldn't be told about Sherry. <laughs> or right. don't. <laughs> that wouldn't be told. You know, like it's like while we were playing, don't stop believing one night, and I looked over and I was like, yeah, I love you, Neil. Sean. You know, you're never gonna hear that fucking story. Ever. Oh, All right, well, let's let the losing let's end. Let's move on. We're on the we're on the losing end right we're now. Coming we're coming down the home stretch. I got to tell you, man. I got to tell you, man. This is one of my favorite songs. On this really, because love of this feel. song. Total, I agree. Total feel. I love this. Song. I'm a I'm a sucker for a fucking honky tonk drinking fucking tune. You know, this is like the this is their bar band mode right yeah. now. This is like, and I know Neil Neil has a has a country background. He grew up in the Midwest of Canada. You know, he's probably surrounded by country music. He's a fan of country music, obviously. You know, before this, you know, the Emperor of Wyoming, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And Buffalo, stuff he did with Buffalo Springfield that sounded country. But this, this, is like, um, this is like the Blues Brothers when they're in a bar and they break into uh, Cinnamon Girl and the crowd starts throwing bottles at them. You know, yeah. like in Blues Brothers, when they start playing Give Me Some Lovin'. And so they, this is the tune that that'll save them. This is the tune that they'll break into. You know, it's like, all right, play that country tune. It sounds like they're having fun. I don't want to say like they're making fun of country music because I don't think Neil would ever make fun, but they're just having fun being yeah. the country band and playing the tune. And like you said, uh, Russ, in the middle where he's like, come on, play this me. You know, it's, yeah. they're just having a good time with it. And that's why I love this song. The overall feel of it just puts a smile on my face, even though the lyrics are really sad, but that's like, that's what makes it a country song. You know, the yeah. guy's, the guy got his heart stomped on. You know? 
it's great. I agree, man. I love it. I love Danny Witten's vocal. I yeah, it I mean, yeah, lyrically it's it's you know, it's just fucking you know, I went in town, you weren't there, I talked to some old friends, it's it's hard, you know, I'll make it, mm-hmm. but it's hard, things won't be the same and you won't ever change and I'm on the losing end and fucking whatever. Yeah, it's but it's great. It's again, like I said on the first album, um with um of course i'm not gonna think of the name but but uh the one i said where i was like this is what country i wish could become yeah same thing i thought of that too same with this song i just neil knows how to do country in a fucking good way you know in in a in a way where it's like you said it's it's fun it's honky tonk it's country but it's not annoying it doesn't drive you fucking crazy it's like it's real. It's, it's like, he didn't write, like you said, he didn't write it to make fun. He wrote it because it's a, it's still a real song, but it's like, he wanted to have some fun with it, even though it's a, it's a heartbreak country song. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's lovely. I, I, I really like it. And then, yeah, that fun that they have the, um, it's evident, you know, um, I really dig this song. I like it a lot. I really like it. And I I love the way Danny Witten sings. I was saying, Shu, it's surprising to me that this is, you said, one of your favorites. Because honestly, I like it. It's it's not a bad song, but this is, if I had to cut one song, this would be the song I would cut from this album. It doesn't grab me necessarily yeah. like the rest I, of the album. You know what? I, 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 What'd right, you say, Shu? This, this, um, this wouldn't be the one I cut. Okay. It would be the Definitely next not. one. For me, it would be um, the next one. Uh, Wait, really? run, running dry? No, that wouldn't be a dry. Record for the Rockets. Only because I don't know what the well, fuck know, else. That, I don't know what the fuck else I would cut. It, I can't cut anything. Yeah, I, I love, I love running dry. I just what I, you can't cut cinnamon girl. I, I you can't cut anything else. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to cut. I don't want to cut anything. So I, we fuck you guys. I'm not. We don't anything. have to fuck cut you. anything. I'm just saying. Yeah. If Actually, you don't one. have to, but we, yeah. we you know. I would cut. I would cut losing end. The, the only reason I wouldn't cut running dry, which is the next song, is first of all the symbolism of how he's basically. It almost feels like he's, I like I get he's got lines about a woman. Like it feels like he's mm-hmm. he's the bad guy. But also the, most of the song, just considering the title of the song, "Requiem for the Rockets," like he's saying, like I'm sorry, I was a fucking asshole, but like that's me. Like I'm Neil Young. I'm fucking Neil. And also the violin on that song, like the way he's like, just fucking go do your thing. You can tell they're like, just do whatever you the fuck you want. I've, I I don't know. I like, I like running dry. Well, I'll tell you, I I love it. That's great. That's what gets it for me. Luke is the interplay between the violin and the guitar. And when he starts that drone going on the violin. Yeah. I'm a sucker for that. I don't know what that is about that sound. You hear it in like Appalachian music, Celtic music, you know, and and uh, when that drone kicks in, I'm just like, this sounds fucking amazing with yeah. the guitar in there. It leaves it for me. 
you know, and it, it also, lyrics also, you know, you understand, it's like, you know, I, I, I want you to like me, but I understand why you probably fucking hate me now because right. I took your band and I ripped it apart <laughs> on my own, you know, <laughs> to the other guys who were in the Rockets, yeah. you know, but, but I, I, what saves the song for me from not being cut is definitely the, the guitar, violin yeah. interplay oh, yeah. in there. Oh yeah. The violin is a uh, fucking haunting. It's excellent, man. Uh, I love it. I, I, uh, yeah, I don't. I I don't want to cut anything. I think the only reason I you have to. I don't know. Yeah, let's make that a rule. You have to cut something, even though you don't want to cut anything. Yeah, and we I, have to tell Neil about it, so you better uh, think it out. <laughs> yeah. I guess it would be this one. I just love every other song too much. Plus, it has this. It has that murder murder ballad vibe to it. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. That I love Appalachian that. murder vibe, and that yeah, I'm a sucker for that too. Same, you know. I, even though well, it's what not would you cut then? What would you cut then, Shu? You're not gonna like what I'm gonna cut. I already know what you're gonna cut. What What do you think it is? You're gonna cut round and round, aren't you? Yeah, I'd cut round and round. Fuck you, you piece. Even of Even though shit. I think it's beautiful, I think it's a beautiful song, but it's the one that um, you know, after listening to it, that's uh, how I and- feel about this one. That's how I feel about this yeah. one. It's a fucking beautiful song, but after listening to it again and again, it, it's the one that I'm like, I guess, I guess I if I had to, I can't wait to get Robin Lane on this podcast and tell her that she hated her vocals so much that <laughs> he wanted to cut her song. <laughs> I hate her vocals. It was just the song. I like this song better. Don't fucking tell Robin Lane that. <laughs> I'm gonna tell Robin Lane whatever I want to tell Robin Lane. Fuck up. I love the, I love Robin Lane and the Chartbusters. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> Fuck you. All right, let's move uh, on to the. Yeah, let's uh, move on. But I love that Cowboy song. It's a great song. Yeah, Cowgirl um, in the Sand. Yeah. This is this is another one of the Fever songs, you know, and the the uh, imagery and the lyrics are are very psychedelic. Although I wonder who it's about. I was thinking that too. To me, to me it's got to be about another musician that maybe came up with him i don't even know if you could say it's a woman maybe he's masking this so it's not so obvious who he's talking about i was thinking is it Joni mitchell because you know they they met each other way back at the coffee house scene and you know wherever they were in winnipeg or whatever like that and um they both you know went to la and at this time she was already starting her rise uh, to the top and, and, uh, doing some amazing work. You know, I just, I just wonder about the, that line that, um, old enough to change your name when so many love you, is it the same? Um, you know, stuff like that. Like, is this about another musician who's maybe getting popular mm. that, I don't know, that he may question their, their integrity or, or something like that. You're not the same person you used to be. And I also feel know, like, a lot of this album, because how long after this album did he end up getting divorced from his first wife? It's not was, long. It was like... Yeah, it's not very long. Because I feel most. like a lot of this album, and I read somewhere about one of the songs, it might have even been the last one, Run and Dry, that he, he did say that some of that was about his relationship, about his marriage. And uh, I feel like there's an overall theme in this whole album. Agreed. Whether it's, whether it's about, some of it's about maybe about taking Crazy Horse from the Rockets or whatever. And I think that's just partially there. I feel like overall, it's a lot about, he knew that marriage was coming to an end. And it was also the 60s. I'm sure he was fucking doing coke and getting drunk and fucking women on the beach and 
whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm serious, man. I feel like a part no, of, no, it was a totally different time. That's you know, and, just cause you were married and in that scene in the sixties yeah. didn't mean you were monogamous. At exactly. All, and know? so I feel like Neil knew that he was young. They were young. Everyone was young and, and they, it was the sixties. That's not to excuse, you know, whatever, quote unquote, bad behavior. But like all of us have that dark side in us. And like that line, after all the sin we've had, I was hoping yeah. to be had. Come on. That's Neil talking about like just wanting to give in to those fucking dark desires that yeah. he just want. He wanted to fucking fuck whoever this other chick was and, yeah. and, and just keep on having that those dirty so, times you know so, like we all, we all have that shadow I, we all we all deny that shadow in us and i think why i love another reason why i'm fucking neil man obsessed with him is because neil doesn't deny his shadow he right. fully embraces it and he fucking writes songs about it yeah and and i i think this song to me is what that what it's about i think he's embracing his shadow side and he's not hiding from it he's basically saying come out and play cowgirl in the sand yeah whether it's about a specific woman or just him wanting to fuck other women because it's the 60s and he's becoming more and more famous every album every song every gig he wants that like all of us do you know what i mean and and so no no, i i agree wholeheartedly and when you said the album is a whole thing I fucking, it, I feel like you're spot on. Like, if you look at, like, every other song on this record, it dips into, like, this darkness that I feel like he's got, this war he's got raging. And then Cowgirl in the Sand, it's the perfect end because it's him, like, fuck it, like, I'm giving in to this shit. Totally, you know what I mean? totally. Like, and not that, in a I think good that, or a bad way, just no, as exactly, a Exactly, and I don't think Neil is saying it's good or bad. Right. I don't think he's – I think that's my point is that he's embracing the non-duality of, of, of both of that. Also, um, to me, this is the – this is the – if you – like, this is the dark – this is the opposite of Down by the River to me and not – and in a good way, like, if you think dark Down by the River is a dark song, this is the light version. And if you think Down by the River is a light song, this is the dark version. Yeah. Like, the fucking – the breaks in this – first of all, I think the, the length of the songs is pretty equal – but the breaks in this, like the electric, he just starts fucking screaming on yeah. these solos. Uh-huh. And it's so fucking good. And I love the, his, uh, like later on when he does um, some more stripped down version, like for the his live records and shit, like it's equally good. But this one, you can feel him like, I'm fucking giving into this, like this, what this cowgirl in the sand. I feel like the, the 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 title of this album it is specific. It's just and it's not just because that's a name of the song on the album. I feel like that's an overall theme, whether it be about um, you know another sort of way, another version of saying "fuck you" to the CSN uh, ver- like um, direction or uh, a, a, a dirge way of being like i'm sorry rockets but these fucking guys are they're with me now 
or or it's about I just think that that saying everybody knows this is nowhere is a way of saying we all know and no one's going to say it, but I'm going to say it. So whether it's right. about that, that, or when we're in specific, uh, in, in to, to go back to what I was saying specifically about this song with the vibe I get is that I think that that line and everybody knows this is nowhere in regards to this song and, and maybe a relationship, a marriage, a young marriage, whatever I think he's basically saying that to her, to himself. We both know this is nowhere. This right. is going nowhere. Or his musical relationship, or just his like. Uh, that's his what I'm saying. It's all life. of it, but yeah. that's uh, all of it. I'm saying overall, that's why I think everybody knows this is nowhere. Sums all of those themes up yeah. perfectly. But me in particular, and it, and it might be because of my own personal stuff, like this song feels like that to me. It feels like that way of 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 him saying i have this thing we all know we all have it here's my in in each of those themes but with this song i think it's more about the women the 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 desires the that that thing you know what i mean um in in regards to this song uh, and i still think that everybody knows this is nowhere that lyric fits with this song it fits with every song in its own way which i think we've already done a good enough job of explaining as we've gone throughout but um i just think it sums it up in in my opinion and i think i i made my point about this song and why i think it you know what i mean and i don't mind talking about my own personal shit but we don't have time for that but i feel like it just it fits this well um it just yeah anyway so (laughs) Well, I want to ask you guys about a line in there that always fascinated me. And it started with a kind of a, a theme that he would bring up throughout his career every now and then. And, and it's and that word rust mm. comes up here for the first time. Mm. You know, hello, Ruby in the dust. Has your band begun to rust? Yep. So what what do you think he's referring to there? I mean, is has your band begun to rust? Is that like is my it's like him talking about his creativity is is uh is drying up or i need a change i need a change from the situation i'm in right now and you can help me with that you can so, help me we're, weirdly enough i i took it two ways i took it as him talking to like musical dryness but also the first thing that came to mind was a wedding band like has your band begun to rust i feel like oh. he just he just marries okay. these two worlds together, like that, exactly. I in can't a way that more. he can't. And, and as a songwriter, I do that shit all the time. I think I'm talking about one thing, and then I listen back, or I have someone say something to me, or or whatever, and I'm like, oh yeah, I was kind of talking about this, but I was also talking about this, right? And I think Neil Young does that all the time, and Luke, I know you do the same thing. Like you write a line where it's like you think it's pretty, like oh, that's what he's saying. But really, there's multiple interpretations to it. That's just what art is, not to be fucking woo-woo-y cliche, but like, that's the point. That, that is what art is. And so, yeah, Mike, I, I, I totally agree with what Luke just said because it goes back to what I was just saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. The ruby and the dust, it is got, that, that metaphorical talking about, I think, the relationship, the marriage. Like, and he got divorced, and, I think, was it like eight months after this record came out? Yeah, I, think. I don't think it was long after. And also, I think if he is having then he, an Then affair, he ended up marrying Daryl Hammond. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, 
I think that uh, famous titties for four hundred. <laughs> I, I think that the rapist for eight hundred. <laughs> Therapists. <laughs> Oh man, fuck! Because I think Luke, I think it's it's. Should it's we do a side celebrity Jeopardy podcast? Like, is that another thing? <laughs> I think that's a thing we're leaning towards. You doubt we'll save that for Patreon. Patreon. Okay, that's worth it. No, I, yeah, I, I agree, Luke. I think it's 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 not just about one thing, but that's definitely one of the things that it's oh, yeah. about. And I think if he is having an affair or multiple affairs, and he's referencing that in this song, I think whoever else. Is involved with that might be married as well, and 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 he's sort of saying like, you know, your mar- your marriage is up too, you know, like your band's beginning to rust. Uh, after all the sin we'd had, I was hoping it would turn. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like that's also a part. of I him. also love yeah. that he that he wrote Cinnamon Girl, which is a pretty like distinct like innocent kind of love song and this song in the same day. Like he was having those feelings at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, this yeah. this yeah. this whole album is such a and good... And everybody knows this is nowhere. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. And Down by the River. And, and, exactly. Yeah. It, every, again, all four yeah. of those songs have all been a major fucking has. theme that we've... Yeah, and they all have it in the same goddamn day. I don't oh, know God. what else there is to say about that shit. I mean, that you know what yeah. I mean? That's oh. just... Do you have any other thoughts on the song, Mike? No, that that's that's other other than the fuck again the fucking guitar playing is so phenomenal, yeah. Yeah. and the way he fucking just works the the what is it the vibrato at the end there is that oh is that yeah. The right yeah oh my god that wah, 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 wah. I'm just yeah. making it wail and cry you know it's like so it's screaming good. and again again I recommend listening to the version on the live at the Fillmore release is that, I gotta uh, check this out I've I've never that, I don't think I've listened to this. Where does that come it up? It came on, out like, in 2006. It's one of the archive okay. releases, and that's right. the Danny Whitten version of Crazy Horse. So it's really great. What, a great year, version what, what year was the show? I think it was 69. 69. It was one of the shows nice. they, they took off and did. And there's a, a song, um, he does a, a great version of Wondering on there that later showed up on Everybody's Rockin', Sweet. which is one of the albums everybody hates that I actually like. But we'll talk oh, about that we'll in get like there. six years when we finally get to that album. I just um, want to um, quickly just sort of shout out, because we talked a lot about Danny Witten, but Ralph Molina, the drummer who, who is mm-hmm. still still there to this day, yep. uh, amazing oh, drummer, okay. and yeah. he, he does harmony vocal um, a lot, so I'm assuming he still does that. Yep. And Billy, Billy Talbot is the bass player, and those two guys are the – most consistent crazy horse members yeah. been there they've been with them since yep. the since the danny day and the one yep since memories Dreamers, danny danny and the danny and the goddamn whatever the fucking fuck they were the, send me yeah. a goddamn dream or whatever the fuck danny and the uh, one day will be memories <laughs> um got, uh, yeah. before, also to, 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 to the danny witten story luke i don't know if we want to get into that on another podcast, well, but it's give us a tragic. Yeah, give us a little, little cliffhanger. Don't do any basically, spoilers. Basically, Neil Young, here. basically, they had a session, and I think it might have been after the gold rush, and and Danny was just so goddamn out of his sauce. Well, it and, wasn't for after the gold rush. Oh, it was Harvest, right? Out, he was out of his mind during yeah. that, and that's why there was limited participation with Crazy Horse. Yeah. on that but that's the next album we're going to tackle so let's so just let's, do it then. let's save yeah. it for the for that one before and, we uh, before we close though what give me your top three mike 
top three uh, of this songs. album. Yeah, uh, this album. Uh, I have to say, my number three would be Cowgirl in the Sand. My number two would be Down by the River, and my number one would be the title track. Okay. That song goes through my head all the time. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's just one of those songs. It's one of those songs that there are mornings I'll wake up and it's in my head already. I have two of the Yeah, I have I have two of the same. My number three is Cowgirl. My two is uh Round and Round, which I know you fucking hate and you wish. That song fucking seen. sucks. Should have cut it. <laughs> Robin Lane sucks. <laughs> totally kidding. We know totally you're kidding. She's now. gonna be it's she's a beautiful be song, but that's it's the a beautiful one song. I like the least. That's my that's my number two, and my number one is down by the river. So, I agree. I think uh, my number one is down by the river. My number three is cowgirl in the sand. I would say round and round for two, but I'm actually gonna go with everybody knows this is nowhere. It's a good one. Yeah, it's this one's a difficult one. This one's this a this whole album is yeah. it's so hard. They're and all I, like I I I cut round and round. Luke, what would you I, cut? I would cut Losing End. I mean, I love it. It's just, to me, it's not, it's yeah. the most forgettable off this album. It's gr- a great no. country song, but. I disagree, but I, I would cut Running Dry, unfortunately. I don't want to cut anything, but. I, I don't want to cut anything either off this. Right. W- yeah. off this I know, this is one of those, this is one of those few Neil albums where every single song it's to us, so anyway, it's so is good. fucking phenomenal. And I, I'm trying right. to savor this because I know we're going to enter into some territory where we're going to be like trying to figure out ones, <laughs> like one we want to keep. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Until we get to arc, which one do we drop? Yeah, all of it. Um, all right. So, yeah. Next. So next. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Long May You Young. Hey, and, there he is. Uh, check us out on uh, Facebook. We have an Instagram account. Check us out there. Uh, give us your feedback. We'll have a Twitter up. Um, also, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give us a, a rating, please. Give us a good rating. We'll or read your reviews you if you, to it. If you leave us yeah, any we'll review, we'll read them. Yeah. Oh, good, also, are you saying good or bad? Or? Well, we'll yeah. see. No. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, bad ones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it might be too early for this, but I think it would be cool if people wanted to do like uh, some kind of like art based on things we've said. Because yeah, I absolutely. see that a lot yeah. with podcasts. Because like, uh, some of the stuff you said, Mike, I, 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 I wish there was like an image for it. Um, oh, like you were talking about the credence, like John Fogarty on oh, a right. bad trip, and I yeah. want to see an image uh, yeah. of like of like John Fogarty and maybe credence and and Neil and Crazy Horse in like a weird psychedelic sort of trip. That would be such a cool. John's fan. like sweating and his shirt's unbuttoned. Yeah, and he's got like a <laughs> shoe on, and he's like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> there was something else someone said too. I'll, I'll when I listen back, I'll point it out, and I would love if, if if someone made. If anyone shares any kind of artwork, we'll share it. Totally share it, and we'll yeah. tell people totally who you are. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and let us know. You know what you think of a what you think of the podcast. You want to add anything to the discussion? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be the most recent episode. Something you heard a couple episodes back. You know, yeah. share your comments with. You know, several ways to do that. Like I said, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you know, oh, just yeah. search out Long May You Young. All right, guys. So next yeah. uh, next episode, we're tackling the album that sent Neil into the stratosphere. My favorite Might album. Might be one of the best albums of all time. Top Agreed. top three. Well, I don't know. It's it's uh, fucking. I'm excited, boys. I'm excited. All right. Yeah. This is one. It's got the hits on it. It really. It changed. It sent Neil into a weird place. Cause totally. How old was he? Like he was 23 when he made that first album. Yeah. You know, at this 24 point, he's or five. 
you know yeah. and not uh, not even he's probably early 24 if he even fucking turned 24 you know what i mean like right right i think he he's did so turn 24 sweet. at some point russ <laughs> nice so uh next episode will be after the gold rush thank you very much for uh, listening to Long May You Young. The Condon Brothers here, Luke and Russ. Check out their band, Town Meeting. My name is Mike Shu. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks, y'all. See ya. I am fucking... My brain is a noodle right now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.